Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Hello there. Welcome to AgriTalk podcast. My name is Calvin Yakundi and today we'll be talking about the whole idea of GMO since the government lifted the ban. So long as the necessary safeguards are put in place under the law that was passed, and as long as we have all the regulations in place, Kenya is going to be safe to engage in biotechnology on all areas. This has been a topic of discussion in many gatherings. And today I have with me Dr. Francis Nangayo, who is a senior manager and head of policy and regulatory affairs coordinator at AATF Policy Compact. And with me also is Adam, Ame- Adam Zamenya, who is the commercial director, Systema Bio Kenya. Welcome um, to the uh, podcast. All right. Now we are going to just get right into it. And um, I'll first uh, ask Dr. Francis Nangayo to just explain to us the whole idea of GMO. When you talk about GMO, what are we talking about? And then we'll come to um, um, Adams also to explain to us what he understands from his expertise. Dr. Nangaya. Yeah, thank you for having me. GMOs are genetically modified organisms. Actually, GMO is an acronym for genetically uh, modified organisms. Being plants, animals, or microorganisms whose genetic makeup has been specifically altered uh, to confer some useful and desirable qualities. For instance, a plant that is susceptible to attack by insect pests could then have its genetic makeup altered so that then it can have the ability to protect itself against invasion by those insect pests. It then becomes a genetically modified insect-resistant plant or crop, and so on and so forth. So the reason for genetic modification is about uh, uh, introducing useful characteristics, useful uh, traits, useful attributes into plants. Mm -hmm. And um, now, as we also uh, introduce the useful attributes to plants... Could there be some effects that this could cause? And then we'll come to uh, Adam Zamenia to also explain to us. Yeah, that is a question that even the scientists themselves have to ask. And uh, you remember in my definition, I say these are organisms whose genetic makeup has been specifically altered. The specific alteration means we go specifically to alter only a certain portion that would then allow that plant to take up on a new genetic makeup that will bring about the useful traits that I talked about, which could range from insect resistance, drought tolerance, or, or even low 
ripening qualities if you want to uh, uh, look at uh, enhanced shelf life of certain uh, products. Mm-hmm. All right, thank you so much. Adams, tell us more about GMO. Um, thank you for having me. I represent uh, an organization uh, called Sistema uh, Bio, and we are in business to help farmers tackle uh, issues to do with uh, climate change, uh, to do with poverty and food security, among others. Uh, So what we do is we work with farmers to ensure that we reduce uh, greenhouse gas emissions and also we help farmers utilize a natural resource that our technology helps them produce, which is the biofertilizer, to enhance uh, crop production and by extension improve food security. So um, I've I've listened to my my colleague, uh, Dr. Francis, talk about GMO. Uh, I'd like to um, talk about organic farming, which is one of those key things that we try to enhance uh, at Systema Bio. I would probably sum summarize organic farming as um, a system of management uh, and agricultural production that combines um, a high level of biodiversity with environmental practices that preserve natural resources. So I'll talk, you'll hear me talk a lot about nature and natural, natural uh, resources in my, in my uh, contribution today. Uh, so in layman's language, at the farm, it's all about using what is available in a regenerative manner to enhance uh, what I would call soil conditions, maintain and improve them, to enhance crop production, to ensure that what comes out of the soil is also not harmful to any consumers, and ultimately um, to improve the economics of the farm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you so much, um, Adams. All right. So let's let's just get right into another um, conversation also, um, topic rather, on uh, this uh, whole idea of GMO. Dr. Francis, when the government lifts the ban on GMO, uh, the, lifts the ban on genetically modified um, uh, foods also and also in the country, uh, looking at it from where you sit, how is it going to now pan out in the coming months when we look at uh, food production in the country, when we look at all these aspects that are connected to, to it? What is, what is going to happen? Yeah, thank you very much for a very good question. Uh, the lifting of the ban, I think, to me came as a very good news. It couldn't have come at a better time. I think it was, could have come even much earlier. And I say this because... I think Kenya as a country had set itself on a path to uh, intentionally and consciously harness innovative technologies, including GMOs. That's the reason uh, Kenya as a country passed a national biotechnology development policy way back in 2006. And three years later, they were able uh, and when I say the, I mean the Kenya government, the Kenyan parliament was able to legislate and pass a law called the Biosafety Act. 
that gives details on how we can safely harness this technology. Uh, in other words, giving the do do's and the don'ts about GMOs. And uh, what followed, maybe to summarize, may have been uh, what could be expected. An institution called the National Biosafety Authority was established and it went on also to fortify the regulatory framework by passing several laws, one on environmental release of GMOs, one on confined testing of GMOs, labeling and all this. So I think that in the very first place we shouldn't even have had a ban. But now that we've had 10 years of reflection and uh, have lifted the ban, uh, I expect the following. Number one, that research on modern technology and <clears throat> there are many research institutions that, uh, that run on donor money, some run on exchequer like uh, the Kenya Agricultural and Livestock Research Institute, like universities, will be able to proceed with their research knowing very well that some of this work will one day solve a problem in this country. That is number one. Uh, number two, they will also maybe take on new frontiers to explore new areas. You never know, we are facing shocks here and there, and we want our scientists to be able to, on the radar, looking for innovative solutions. And number three, we are, uh, I think, 23 out of the seven, 47 counties are reeling through uh, serious farming, food shortage. And if this could allow importation of food, that can be eaten by people who are uh, uh, staring at starvation in their face, that will be, I think, the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. Thank you. All right, so Adams, uh, uh, Dr. Nangayo is saying this is going now to um, really help even the counties that are going through uh, famine at this time, and also saying that we'll have even more um, sustainability when it comes to food security and going forward. So when you had the lifts on the ban, you coming from Systema Bio, talking about organic, uh, organic f farming and f uh, ways of um, dealing with this, what can you um, react to this in terms of the lifting of the ban? Thanks a lot. Um, so there's a bit of congruence between uh, what the doctor has said and what organic farming attempts to advocate for. One of them is obviously food security and we agree there. Um, however, to answer you, I'd like to focus a little bit more on the benefits of organic farming and in the context of our smallholder farmers that uh, populate our countryside. Uh, we all know the food situation right now and especially given the drought that has ravaged several parts of the country. Um, I'd like to speak about three things. Uh, one would be the health benefits of organic farming. Uh, I would look, talk about the economic benefits. And, uh, and uh, the last thing I'd like to talk about is the, um, the, what I would call the benefits that holistically uh, come to the country as a, as a result of adopting organic farming. From a health perspective, it's been studied that consuming organically produced food not conclusively though has 
been noted to reduce the um, what I would call certain cancer growth aspects in humans. So there's a slow in, slow growth of lymphomes in, uh, in 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 people that consume organic organically generated food. Um, at the same time, studies in the UK have also shown that certain cancers uh, are not prevalent in people who consume organically generated food over time. However, uh, like I said, it's not conclusive. So I cannot, you know, stand here and say that uh, if you don't, if you eat GMO foods, you'll get cancer. If you eat organic food, you won't get cancer. No, because uh, studies are still going on. It's scientists to tell us conclusively what what that means. Um, there's a little downside, which also has an upside in organic farming. Those that practice organic farming over time, in terms of volumes or tonnage, produce less product. But because uh, they are very, the practices are intensive, not just from a labor perspective, but from in terms of the inputs that go into, uh, into growing crops and, and, and taking care of animals from an organic perspective, there is lower production, which ultimately leads to higher pricing. So the downside is the final consumer prices at the shelves are higher. But the upside is there is higher revenue for the producers. Picture scenario where we have higher, higher, higher volumes and probably fair prices. Uh, the winners would be both sides. The farmers would generate more income because there's more volume. The consumers would benefit from healthier foods and at, at good value, for lack of a better word. So those are some of the key benefits that accrue from organic farming. In the context of our smallholder farmers, and these are people who are on about 500 shillings a day income, give or take. Organic farming requires less um, what I would call external inputs. They have access to inputs or raw materials within the farm. There is animal waste, there is silage that they can prepare, they have water, they can use all that, that they have at, at the farm to use that to produce crops, to take care of the animals uh, in a more sustainable manner and over time. Uh, but obviously there is uh, a gap in terms of how they can apply, uh, for instance, the biofertilizer to grow more crops in the farms. And that's one of the things that, for instance, our organization, Systema Bio, strives to achieve by educating the farmers um, because our technology uh, achieves that uh, when they utilize it properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So... Adams, um, I'm still on this issue of GMO. As an organic farmer, um, when GMO is allowed, what are the effects that it will have on an organic farmer? I'm not sure I have a direct answer to that question, Um, purely because we focus a lot on uh, organic farming. Um, GMO, in my mind, thinking right now, will require, can I say, scientific intervention. So there'll be, there'll be the need to train farmers on certain aspects of, 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 
of that type of uh, crop production uh, and even animal production. So, and I think that's a challenge to everybody who tries to interact with farmers uh, on a regular basis. So I think probably that's the only challenge I would see there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's also a challenge we face in, in trying to promote organic farming. Yeah. All right. All right. So, Dr. Nangayo, on this issue of um, training farmers on how to um, do GMO type of farming, uh, because, first of all, as a country, are we in a place where we can say most of the farmers have the information on this? so that they can um, really get into it, first of all, on the awareness. Where are we in terms of this? Okay. Yeah, thank you, um, <clears throat> Kelvin. Um, maybe before I come to uh, respond to that uh, specifically, let me make some just general uh, uh, comment that... Um, yes, go ahead. That um, <clears throat> we advocate for use of GMO technology, not... Note that we believe GMO is the silver bullet that will solve all the problems. That is not, not at all our view. We know that farmers face all sorts of challenges. Some may, and in their circumstances, may be addressed organically, and, uh, and that's fine. Uh, some may require uh, completely... Uh, 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 a complete turnaround of approach to solve the problem that may be having may be so intractable that uh, uh, a certain uh, uh, approach doesn't work. So we are just saying GMO is just one of the tools that we want to make available and we believe that people should have choices that they want. If a farmer happens to say, I appear to be doing very well with my organic uh, approaches and it's working and it's meeting their food needs, that is fine. But those who require other innovative ways should have that choice. So, And we think uh, uh, that uh, GMO and organic farming, just like organic farming also coexists with other conventional ways of growing uh, crops, can coexist. We just need to let the question now that you brought about, we just need to be uh, more proactive to engage the farmers and tell them that uh, this is actually what we are uh, what we are saying. And you asked where are we with um, uh, with uh, awareness creation. Uh, for us uh, as AATF, working with partners like the Kenya Agricultural and Livestock uh, Research organization working with the Ministry of Agriculture, we've done our part to share as much information as possible uh, on uh, GM technology. Uh, The research on GM technology at CalRO goes back to the mid-1990s when CalRO would uh, do this work in the lab then later on in small confined field trials. And when they started seeing light at the end of the tunnel, then then we went into the fields where we have farmers' field days, where farmers could come and see the crops under research, ask questions. But I'm not saying every farmer knows this. We have to work on this. (laughs) Uh, 
we have even maybe to uh, partner with uh, uh, organic farmers and say we are not going to push organic farming out of existence. We are just bringing uh, innovative ways of doing this. And my last uh, maybe comment on this is that um, even as we uh, advocate for GM technology to solve some of the problems, we are saying that this needs to go out as a package going alongside what we call good agricultural practices. That is a whole new area, but uh, farming as it were is usually premised on good agricultural practice. If you go and buy a hybrid seed, for instance, from the shops, and you don't care about weeding, you don't care about soil fertility, whether it is organic or, or mineral fertilizer, then that crop will not give you. So we advocate for these technologies uh, to work alongside good agricultural practice because that is how it is done. And farming, farmers themselves have what is called indigenous technical knowledge. So we are just building on that to take it to another level. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, thank you so much for that. So we are going to, you've spoken about seeds. We are going to come back to that. But I would like to ask um, uh, Adams to just uh, tell us what he thinks about us as a country and being now exposed to um, lifting of the ban. Uh, do we have enough information? I would just like you to give us your perspective. Thanks, Calvin. So the large majority, the vast majority of our farmers uh, are in farming for subsistence reasons. Uh, of course, uh, I'm not denying the fact that we have uh, a lot of farmers also in the commercial space. They're doing it for money. Now, the way I see it is that there is an information gap that exists, not just specific to this particular topic, but quite a number of agricultural-based topics. I see that as the challenge, as a major challenge that we have to contend with as players in this space. Now, what, say, for instance, we try to do is when we have conversations with farmers, it's a holistic discussion whereby we not only tell them that, look, we have this technology for you, but we try and understand the problems that they have and, and try and solve them with specific solutions that come through technology and also through training. So I, f I find that the focus area will be for the players to explain the benefits that will accrue from all these uh, improvements that we're trying to, s to sell to them. Uh, that's not an easy thing because uh, there are barriers. There are barriers, for instance, access uh, there are barriers in terms of, um, I would say, communication. Uh, our technology requires, for instance, a farmer to, has a, to have a smartphone to be able to, you know, do certain things. Now, because not all farmers have that, so there are challenges that, that will impact the, the access uh, to farmers and to be able to, to pass on or impact all these knowledge and skills to them. Um, so, but I think it can be solved. Uh, if we have a good approach, because uh, ultimately we, we we need to think about the future. We need to think about for posterity reasons. We 
we advocate for regenerative agricultural practices, one of them especially being organic farming. And they have everything within the farm to be able to achieve this. To achieve this. However, they can do a lot better with it if they had, uh, I would say, the right amount and quality of information to be able to turn around uh, the natural resources into something productive that is healthy, that is ultimately trans, uh, I mean, from a national perspective, uh, will be beneficial to the country. Um, we all know that farmers are also very vulnerable to uh, a lot of um, unethical practices by a lot of players. So I think we also need to watch that very keenly. Um, it's a very good thing to have a concept, but it's also how that concept reaches the farmers and, and that they're able to use it to, I mean, productively, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much also for that. So let's just continue. And uh, Dr. Nangayo had mentioned about uh, seed. I'm going to be talking about the, the, the whole idea of genetically modified seeds and um, what is the impact of using this on the environment. And also, can we be able to, for example, a farmer can we be able to reuse the seed? Because I remember um, a couple of years ago, uh, not very many, when I was very young, um, the maize seed from the comb, you, uh, from the, uh, the maize cob, you can remove it and put it on the ground and it grows up. So when you have a hybrid seed or a genetically modified seed, is it the same situation? And if it's not, um, are we seeing this introducing another problem again in the coming years. Yeah, thank you, Kelvin. Um, I, <clears throat> I know what you're talking about. I, I grew up also on a farm, and I, and I, I saw my parents using, uh, using their seed. Yes. And um, then, uh, of course, in the 70s, there was this promotion of hybrid technology, uh, hybrid seed, uh, and... Uh, and, uh, and uh, while the results, demonstration results about using hybrids were showing almost four or five times yield difference uh, compared uh, to seed that we recycled, uh, there was a caveat that, that again, hybrid is not uh, a cure-all. You will have to buy seed from time to time because if you save the May, uh, 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 grain from hybrid and you grow, then it will not produce as much as uh, as uh, as the parents did, and that is how hybrid uh, uh, seeds are produced. So, uh, uh, genetically modified uh, crops uh, can come in form of hybrid seed or also open pollinated varieties, but. Uh, most scientists prefer that uh, we've been talking about hybrid seed. We have popularized hybrid seed since the 70s, and uh, most of it is available as hybrid seed. So that will just then we'll have to buy the seed and plant, and from the yields that you get, you'll have enough to feed on, and some even to plow back in terms of bu buying the input. So I don't think we are solving a problem. Uh, we, we are we are creating a problem by maybe advocating for hybrid seed. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, for one, I no longer use uh, 
uh, I no longer keep that seed uh, the way my, my parents did. Yeah. I, I buy hybrid seed uh, from time to time, and I'm okay with this model of buying hybrid seed, whether it's GM or non-GM. Yeah. All right. Uh, Adams, yeah. on organic farming, and we look at, we are talking about hybrid seeds. Um, just explain to uh, tell us what uh, from where you sit as an uh, a farmer who uh, deals with organic farming. What is this whole idea uh, going to do to the country? So clearly, farmers have to source these seeds from uh, suppliers. These would be seed companies and uh, uh, through their distribution channels. The what the past shows is that the control over supply of seeds and uh, by extension fertilizers is by a few. That affects the quantity that finally gets to the farm and onto the fields and also the quality. Since we advocate for organic farming, uh, I would, in from where I sit, look at it from that perspective. They will access these seeds, but it's important that they use organic, uh, what I would call growth and performance enhancements, which would be, for instance, a biofertilizer. So my only concern, as far as seeds are concerned, is the supply uh, and the quality aspects. And as long as farmers can be protected, uh, and especially if, say, they come together in groups, then there's nothing really to worry about. Um, studies have shown anyway that uh, some of these seeds are not harmful whatsoever, that they will grow very well as long as we, the farmers are able to deploy um, organic means to, to not only plant but tend and, and even harvest and, and handle the products post-harvest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. All right, thank you so much for that. So let's just move and also look at now the seed has uh, been put on the ground. Uh, the, the taking care of the seed has been done. It has germinated. Now it's a fully grown, mature, for example, maize. You harvest it and then um, you, you want to also reuse the, uh, from the harvesting, you want to reuse the uh, remainings on, to create um, mulch. Um, can the earthworms, because now this, these seeds cannot be affected by, um, I think Dr. Nangayo had explained earlier, can, can't be affected by uh, things like insects. And if you don't take care of, of your plant, it will be affected also. So let's just look at a, 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 a thing where maybe, for example, the seed has not been affected. It is uh, insect resistant. It is drought resistant. Now, when it comes to now breaking in after you've harvested, you want to reuse what you've harvested to make mulch. Can insects like earthworms be able to break it down? Yeah. I, uh, let me yeah. respond to that. Yes, yes. Yeah, <clears throat> which takes me back to my definition of a, a specific alteration of the genetic constitution of a plant to bring in desirable traits, eh? like uh, the insect-protected maize GMO. It is only engineered so that it can protect itself against a certain group of insects. Yes. 
but not not the entire that does not mean all any insect or anything crawling on earth <laughs> venturing to attack that will die no so science is such that uh, we try to be as specific as possible to solve a problem without necessarily going through uh, giving what is called you know if you compare with the the usual way of controlling insect pests by spraying a pesticide. Eh? You know, most insecticides or pesticides are what are called broad spectrum. That's why people have used them to commit suicide, because it is a chemical and can kill anything alive. So the genetic alteration is just altering the genetic composition to allow the plant protect itself against this caterpillar-like insects. But otherwise things like earthworms and all other material would be safe. And uh, I want to make this point clear by saying the reason why uh, most, uh, most countries have regulatory agencies like the National Biosafety Authority. The job of the National Biosafety Authority is to challenge scientists like me to show that the GMO you are bringing here will not be a GMO that will also kill bees because bees are very useful insects. It will not be a GMO that will kill what we call predators and parasitoids that also control actually the pest complex out there. Mm -hmm. It is a GMO that is specifically killing problem pests like the fall annuum and the, and, uh, the stem borer. So that degree of specificity has to be demonstrated scientifically with data before a regulator can allow you. In fact, if you appear to be having a GMO that can kill the fall annuum, but it's also injurious to the bees, that kind of GMO will not see the light of the day. Mm -hmm. So uh, a sense of responsibility and specificity is, is, goes into this science. Uh, so that we actually solve a problem without creating other problems. Mm -hmm. Adams, you have anything to add on that? No, actually, um, I'm actually in support of that in in the scientific in the scientific context that we do not impact nature, that we allow natural biodiversity to to thrive. All right, thank you so much for that. Uh, we are going to go for a short break. Uh, we'll be right back with more, and we'll also be looking at uh, potential harm to human beings, potential harm of uh, this uh, GMO to also the environment, and uh, even as we are going to be coming to a clear... Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 